0: Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey, and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. In order to kill the king, Lady Macbeth has to reject her feminine nature. Through close reference to Act 1, Scene 5, examine how Shakespeare presents this and the impact it has on the rest of the play. The advantage of doing a question like this is that you can begin your answer by focusing on the scene that it asks you to focus on, which is at one scene five. And then from there, you can pick other points in the play to refer to. Um, but it really means that you're not plodding through scene by scene um, from the beginning to the end of the play, which I think is what some people did in the first time round. They did the course of it last year and that resulted in, you know, certain key events never getting discussed and other less relevant events being discussed for the sake of being discussed. So in Act 1, Scene 5, Lady Macbeth receives a letter from Macbeth telling her about the prophecies the witches um, have given him. Um, And it's interesting that when she reads the letter, she reads it aloud, she says um, what Macbeth has told her, that they have more in them than mortal knowledge. Um, And when she hears that they've promised that he will become king, um, her reaction is to confirm it straight away. And not because she's met the witches herself or she even necessarily believes in their supernatural power, but because Lady Macbeth clearly has a latent ambition um, that she wants Macbeth to become king and as soon as he speaks these words it's as if she's just been waiting for him to articulate this desire um, and she leaps upon it straight away she says this Glam's thou art and Cordor and shalt be what thou art promised so her instant reaction to receiving the news about the prophecy is to say yes that's, what you're going to, that's what's going to happen you're going to become king She has a real certainty in her tone here. Um, And then what's interesting is the very next thing she says is, Yet I do fear thy nature. It is too full of the milk of human kindness to catch the nearest way. So ironically, Lady Macbeth is saying she fears her husband's nature is too good, um, is too kind to go through with the act of catching the nearest way, which is to kill Duncan. Now, the witches never expressly say that Macbeth should kill Duncan. Um, They merely say that he will become king. So both Macbeth and Lady Macbeth have both jumped to that conclusion that Macbeth needs to kill Duncan. Um, That's something they both came up with by themselves. The witches didn't tell them that. Presumably, the witches, the sort of characters they are, would be aware that an ambitious character would respond to the prophecy in that way. But it's interesting that both Lady Macbeth and Macbeth do come up with that idea on their own. Um, Now, the whole point of this question is it's saying about Lady Macbeth's feminine nature. And obviously, um, at the time, there was a lot of thought about women having this particularly nurturing, kind nature. Um, But actually, even before Lady Macbeth expressly articulates the rejection of her feminine nature, she's even rejecting her husband's nature by saying that he's too kind and he's too gentle. Um, and she's not saying that he's feminine, but essentially what Lady Macbeth is rejecting is, is her very humanity, is her very sense of um, morality and what is right and wrong. Now, when she um, goes through thinking through how she's going to... Basically, get Macbeth to do what she wants him to do. Um, she says, This, hie thee hither that I may pour my spirits in thine ear and chastise with the valour of my tongue all that impedes thee from the golden round. Um, and again, ironically, this is seen as a very feminine thing to do. Um, you know, a husband is not likely to do what she wants him to do, so she decides she will manipulate him. And persuade him. And again, that's a very feminine trait to be verbally persuasive um, and manipulative um, like this. So, Melanie Macbeth here is showing her feminine nature by the very virtue of what the way that she wants to persuade Macbeth to do what she wants him to do. She never really decides that she's going to go and kill Duncan. That's never an option for her. Um, so maybe even in her own mind, she knows the limitations of her own nature. Um, but what is really important here is to really notice this, the absolute certainty of Lady Macbeth that Duncan is going to die and it's going to happen and there's no there's no ifs and no buts. So when Lady Macbeth hears um, that in the same scene now, That Duncan is coming. She says this. The raven himself is horse. That croaks the fatal entrance of Duncan. Under my battlements. So um, the the fantastic sort of omen there. The bad omen of the raven. Croaking himself horse. Duncan entering her battlements. It's fatal. And notice the personal pronoun. My battlements. It's very much her castle. He's coming into. And he's not going to leave. This is her famous speech now. When she calls upon the kind of evil spirits to get rid of her family nature she says come you spirits that tend on mortal thoughts unsex me here and fill me from the crown to the toe top full of direst cruelty so whether this is a, an appeal to the witches just generally to the evil spirits she wants to be stripped of her um femininity so that she can be full of cruelty but again it's maybe it's not even being unsexed, um, of particularly femininity, but of maybe humanity even. It says, stop at the access and passage to remorse, that no compunctious visitings of nature shake my foul purpose. Um, and she wants to really cut off any sense of remorse that she might experience, which would prevent her from going through with this and prevent her from persuading Beth to go through with it. And... Um, There's a lot of imagery in the play about darkness and evil and night. And she says, Come, thick night, and pall thee in the dunnest smoke of hell, that my keen knife see not the wound it makes, nor heaven peep through the blanket of the dark to cry, Hold, hold. Now again, this is all in the first person, my keen knife. Um, we know that she doesn't kill Duncan. Um, she comes up with some excuse that, had he not resembled my father as he slept, I would have done it. Um, but it's not a particularly convincing excuse. Um, but the way she talks here is she's she's determined that night and evil are on her side um, and she'll they'll get what they want. Now, the whole point of the play is that both Macbeth and Lady Macbeth go to the dark side they turn to the darkness in order to commit this act of killing Duncan to get what they want and fulfill their ambition but in doing so they fail to recognize there's going to be a payoff they fail to recognize there's going to be consequences for their choices Um, And of course for both of them those consequences play out very differently in the play and that's something that you can further explore as as you go on in the essay to look at other parts of the play but it's interesting that both of them are so fixated on the goal for Macbeth to become king they don't think about what's going to happen afterwards and they don't think about what are going to be the consequences that both of them then have to to live with um, because of this choice. And that this choice to side with evil is is gonna mean that one day the judgment's gonna come for them. So, um, in that that scene after that speech, Macbeth actually enters, um, and Lady Macbeth tells Macbeth instantly, you know, this is how it's gonna go. And when he says Duncan comes here tonight, she says, um, "Oh, never shall son." that morrow sea and um, he's never going to leave basically and she tells him look like the innocent flower but be the serpent under it. Now this fantastic image is really playing upon the kind of Edenic story from Genesis, you know, where you've got the Garden of Eden, you've got um, the serpent in paradise who tempts Eve to take the fruit, um, plays upon Eve's ambition to be like God, so that Eve will take the fruit and fall into sin. Now, what's interesting here is that Lady Macbeth is the Eve figure who's ambitious and is in paradise and is wanting more, but she's also the serpent. Um, She's the one who's Holding out the fruit to Macbeth, as it were, and tempting him with something that he is forbidden to him, um, and that's a kind of well-known feminine role is the femme fatale, the idea of the female character who is a temptation to the male character. So even though Lady Macbeth has called upon these spirits to unsex her um, of her femininity, in the very next breath, again she's um, falling into the stereotype. Of what a woman would do. Now, um, that's that's brief. That's most of um, Act One, Scene Five. There. I mean, there's there's other things we could pick up on. Like in Act One, Scene Seven, she gives her famous speech, persuading Macbeth to go through with it because he thinks he's gonna. He sort of persuades himself it's not a good idea. You know, Duncan's been quite kind to him, and you know, why should he do it? Um, and of course, Lady Macbeth says, you know, if you were a man. That's that's what you've got to do. Um, And says, I've given suck and know how tender it is to love the babe that milks me. I would, while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from his boneless gums and dashed the brains out. Had I so sworn as you had done to this. And that quotation's obviously got um, different interpretations. But one of the main meanings is, you know, she's saying, if you've made such a big promise to do something, then I would rather, you know, done this inhumanely cruel act of killing my own baby um even while it was feeding um then go back on my word it's a very extreme imagery but again it plays into this idea of her rejecting a feminine nature and her nurturing maternal nature as well at the actual scene of death it's interesting that the spirits that tend on mortal thoughts appear to have answered lady Macbeth kind of prayer um at the scene of of duncan's death in act two scene two lady macbeth is remarkably calm you know macbeth is panicking um she washes her hands and says a little water clears us of this of this deed how easy it is then the cracks show through in that she does make these excuses about you know "Oh, i didn't kill him because he looked like my father um but very much at this point the power balance seems to be weighted towards Lady Macbeth in the relationship. Um, She, again, plays upon her feminine nature by fainting to save Macbeth when he gets into a bit of a pickle as he's challenged about, well, why did you kill the guards? And it's interesting at this point, she still seems to be the one who's in control. Now, as the play continues, we see Lady Macbeth lose more and more of that control. Um, so whilst many people could argue that Lady, Math, M- Lady Macbeth was, um, played a crucial role in getting Macbeth to kill Duncan, the point is that it, it becomes very clear as the play progresses that Macbeth makes his own choices and he continues in that path. Of destruction. He chooses to kill Banquo, he chooses to kill Macduff's family Um, and those choices have consequences on both of them even though Lady Macbeth are in either of those decisions. Um, So you've got the scene where um, the ghost of Banquo appears at the banquet and Lady Macbeth tries to cover for her husband again trying to be in that position of power of um, covering up for him but it's not it's not long after that when Macbeth decides to surprise the castle of Macduff that we see this separation coming between Macbeth and Lady Macbeth a gulf that is never really healed for the rest of the play and then to Macbeth their relationship seems to matter less and less as he's consumed with this obsession of you know making sure the witch's prophecies about Banquo's issue becoming king never coming true. Um, and for Lady Macbeth, we see the sort of guilt and remorse that she tried to stop up just overflowing in a way that she can't control. So, of course, very important scene to look at would be um, Act 5, Scene 1, where the doctor and the gentleman observe Lady Macbeth sleepwalking. Um, and as she sleepwalks, she's making the motion of washing her hands um, out, damn spot, she says. Um, The Thane of Fife had a wife. Where is she now? What? Will these hands near be clean? So she's conscious of these other things that Macbeth has done, things that Macbeth has done without her knowledge um, surprising the castle of Macduff. And as she's lost control, she also loses uh, her grip on her own sanity as she fails to deal with the guilt and the blood that at the time she seemed to be okay with. So we know Lady Macbeth eventually commits suicide um, and again this is all ironic because in in this day and age madness was seen as a female hysteria um, you know it was a typically feminine thing to do to go mad and there's, there's a kind of trope in literature of you know the woman who goes mad and um, the same thing happens in Hamlet with Ophelia and um, Ultimately, the message of this play is that evil deeds have consequences, Um, and Lady Macbeth suffers for her own um, sense of complicitness in Macbeth's crimes. Um, But I think it's also important to explore the fact that Macbeth does make his own choices, and apart from his wife, um, you know, even if she hadn't persuaded him, would he still have killed Duncan? Um, You know, that's a good question to explore and therefore really looking at how crucial Lady Macbeth's influences and the rejection of her feminine nature on the rest of the play. Could Macbeth still have gone through with it without that? And I think that's the crucial thing to to bring your essay to a conclusion. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests, so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.